0: Welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty.
1: And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little bit about the Ag PhD Field Day, just a little recap and review of what we did last week. So if you missed it, It was a lot of fun, had fantastic weather that day, it was like 75 degrees, had our biggest crowd yet, I don't know exactly what we had, 12, 13,000, something, it was just, it was a lot of people. And it was, it was fun, had a lot of new stuff, a lot of new products that companies launched, we, I, I think learned quite a bit in all of our research plots, had a lot of field demos going on. and Anyway, it was a lot of fun. Uh, We're going to want to get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a minute here, too. If you've got a question for us, if there's anything you want to talk about agronomically going on in your farm, you can certainly give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com. Or you can find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. Okay, let's get to the
0: agphd mailbag.
2: It's the mailbag.
0: All right, Brian got a couple of soil tests here to kick this off. This one comes in from Chris, and he said, "I got uh, uh, some Timothy hay ground, and looking at the results between the 2020 and 2022 soil tests shows some positive results." My question is, uh, what five to ten year plan for improving and furthering base saturation, uh, balancing the base saturation rate, plus uh, what might be your safe top recommended nitrogen rate? Lodging is obviously my limiting factor. Uh, Wait, lodging with his Timothy? Yep. Hmm. Okay. Doesn't want to overdo the nitrogen. What's the base saturation on potassium?
1: Okay, well... First of all, let me say it's around an eight for canine exchange capacity. It said eight point one in 2020, eight point four in 2022. His soil organic matter is around three, three and a half percent. Soil pH is about perfect, six five, six six. The base saturation it went from three point five percent in 2020 to four point nine percent in 2022. But here I believe are a couple of the reasons why the lodging is an issue. Number one, it's light soil. So if you don't have irrigation, it's hard for that crop to get all the nutrients it needs into the plant. And it's only got, you only have 162 parts per million of potassium in your soil. Now, sadly, the lab is rating that at and calling it very high. And that's going to lull you to sleep a little bit thinking, oh, well, I'm plenty good. But when it's a Timothy crop, and I assume we're taking this for hay, Darren, not for seed, right? doesn't say. Okay, I'm assuming it's for hay. When you uh, take Wait, yes, yeah, says hay. Okay, yeah, perfect. Okay, when when you're taking hay off, that's different than seed. When you take seed off, you leave the the straw, all that residue, which means a lot of the potassium stays in the field. When you're taking hay, the potassium leaves the field. And at 162 parts per million, that is not a lot. So I know normally we say 4 to 8% base saturation K and you're good. Well, here's the challenge you're in light soil meaning you have low potassium levels or i I, let me rephrase that meaning it doesn't take a lot of potassium to get your base saturation up because your soil just flat out can't hold a whole lot of anything so i would continue working on more of a build program on that k and i if you're having if you're still having a lodging problem keep bumping that but here are the other things I don't have a copper level. I don't have a manganese test. I don't see those things. And those are the next two keys in terms of nutrients for the stock strength. So please, next time when you're testing, get copper and manganese tests done. When they were done back in 2020, your copper was really low at 0.7 parts per million. Now your manganese wasn't bad. It was 28. But Still, it's not like it was off the charts fantastically great or anything. And then keep working on the other nutrients that you need to get in balance. So like sulfur, you're only at 7 parts per million. That's really low. You didn't have a test this time on boron, but last time it was only 0.2 parts per million. And then finally, when you have light soil, if you want a little more water holding capacity, and it's not going to be dramatic, okay? Don't get me wrong. But your base saturation levels are all fine. It's just you could bump your magnesium a little bit. It's only at 13.3% right now. You could get a little more magnesium out there. That'll help tighten up your light soil.
0: All right, Brian. Speaking of soils, this one's from Australia. This is from Mitch, and he said, "Guys, we had 300 bushel corn this last year, but here's here's one thing I'd like to change. We normally get 14 to 16 kernels around, occasionally 18, and I've heard of guys getting 20 and 22s. Now, I'm sure this could be a variety thing too, but I would like to get more girth to my ears. And uh, Mitch, first of all, it is partially a varietal thing." Because some varieties are just more prone to having more girth to them. So you could definitely talk to your seed provider about that. Uh, but it sounds like you're doing good if you're getting 300 bushels. Now Mitch said I'm running 3 3.3 gallons of an NPK and zinc blend in furrow. And then I'm banding 300 pounds of urea, 200 pounds of map, and 100 pounds of potash 6 to 8 inches deep. So just kind of curious what you think about this. And I, I noticed the... How much potash, you say? A hundred. Yeah. He's got a 7% base saturation K and 32 CEC. So he's got heavy ground and lots of K out there, which is awesome. Yeah, it's great. So, yeah, I see why he's doing everything that he's doing.
1: And the phosphorus is one that needs maybe a little bit more building. So the level he's doing there is good. The urea is good. I, I'm, I'm always going to be concerned about what kind of fertilizer you're throwing in the furrow. 3.3 gallons doesn't sound like a crazy amount or anything, but I'd still worry just heavy a little soil. bit. He's he got does. Heavy soil. That helps. But I don't know how much rain he normally gets or if he has irrigation or anything else. So I'd just say I'm always going to be concerned about that. If I can keep it just off the seed, that make me feel more comfortable. Um, yeah, and this is a different soil test that I'm used to looking at, so it's taking me a little longer than it normally would. I will say sulfur has been a big deal we've been talking about it on our farm, too. So we aren't averaging 300 yet, but we are sure trying to get there, and we've had some fields that have been really close. But sulfur is a big thing we've talked about a lot, and like in your case, you got 9 parts per million. That's really, really low. So in your heavy soil, we should see that number be a lot higher because it's not going to leach super fast in that heavy soil. So beyond that, I, I guess, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I see anything that really stands out. I would like to see some some micronutrient tests and i don't think i see that here copper boron start testing some of those and go from there thanks we'll be right back
3: compromise is nice if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's ReviTech fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill. And take your full prize in yields with ReviTech fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions.
4: Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman, when there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH.
0: Case
5: IH, built by farmers.
2: What's new from New Farm? Longbow EC Herbicide, the latest in our portfolio of versatile weed management tools, gives you another Carfentrazone option, taking aim at more than 60 broadleaf weed species. And did we mention economical? Longbow EC's low use rate makes it a flexible tank mix partner with most burned down non-selective herbicides. Ask your dealer for Longbow EC, available for fall.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Of course, the Ag PhD Field Day was last week and man, did we have fun. We had a lot of lot of folks there, uh, a lot of cool stuff to see. And if you didn't get a chance to come or if you did come to the Field Day, I'm betting you didn't see it all. So we're going to talk to a few of the folks who were there and uh get get their impressions and and maybe a little bit about what you might have missed too got nathan carr with us right now with agi and nathan i did talk to a few guys uh, who are in your area and you know what uh they said these bin fan control things are, are the real deal and i know agi's got a lot more than that too
6: oh definitely you know we carry uh every line you can think of um you know agi owns many many companies you know my specialty is uh been manager on the SureTrack digital side, and it just seems to be growing and growing, um, picking up steam every day.
0: All right, you get to talk to folks from all across the country there and and certainly a number of existing customers and and folks that were asking a lot of questions about what do I need to know here to get going. We got harvest right around the corner with corn and soybeans and some areas they are already rolling out there. If guys were interested in, in getting bins set up, how much time does it take? Uh, those types of things. And what other questions uh, should we be thinking about?
6: Um, you know, on the bin manager side, on getting the, the bin monitoring equipment in, you know, we're looking at about 10, 11 days to uh, get, get production in in line. Um, you know, the, every every cable is built to bin specifications per uh, that unique bin um so we're looking at about 10 11 days to ship and then about two weeks to get installed so they they still got a little bit of time to get it in up in up in this north northern country so um down south it's, it's uh you know slim pickings getting or getting closer anyway so
0: sure sure what were some of the questions that you were getting nathan at the show
6: you know some of the questions we got is you know how does how does this make an roi and you know every rep that we have you know they'll sit down with the with a grower and and show how our system can uh, create an ROI for them and help pay for that system and help make their, uh, their farm more profitable.
0: You know, we like, we like the, uh, the bin manager stuff for soybeans primarily. It's been a great thing for us. It's sped up harvest, allowed us to get going earlier, and then, of course, you know you're going to have some 8 and 10% moisture beans by the time you get done with harvest, at least in spots out in fields. What are some of those things when we talk about return on investment? Uh, I know we're re- really familiar with soybeans, but certainly these control systems are, are not just for beans
6: no that's correct you know soybeans is soybeans is uh pretty easy roi right if we can if we can add a add a point to three points you know even, even the minimum amount right we're still still creating an roi um but you know the bin manager pairs pairs well with a dryer um you know we can uh typically every farm that i've been to the dryer is the bottleneck so we may be able to Um, do an on-site assessment make sure your bin and the fans are capable of bringing the grain out at a at a higher higher moisture and letting the bin finish it off and therefore it's going to be cheaper to finish it off in the bin um, versus finishing it off in the dryer as uh, you know everybody knows that the last point and a half to two points coming out of the dryer is the most expensive uh, points to get out when you're drying grain so if we can eliminate that coming out the dryer and let them finish it in the bin, you know, we're going to create an ROI there and not only that, we're going to help prevent over drying the bottom of that bin, which is also, you know, adding adding bushels to your to your bin.
0: All right. Talk to us about Farm Mobile a little bit. I didn't get a chance to visit, as you know, I was kind of busy that day and I missed out on it, so I got to ask my questions you. Talk to us about Farm Mobile.
6: Uh, so Farm Mobile, uh, that's a, a newer newer product with AGI, you know, just kind of like Bin Manager is. Uh, you know, they do machine level data collection and it works across most fleets um you know get with the rep and they'll be able to determine it uh, most of the newer newer combines or tractors or sprayers uh it should should pair well with all those um, but what that does is it collects and organizes and standardizes the sensor data that all farmers work with in real time takes it to our platform and everything is there at the touch of their hand uh, they can see how the machines are working in the field where they're at them out in the field you know Prop insights and they can see everything at the palm of their hand. all
0: right where can where can our listeners find more info you talked about a lot of stuff here in a very short amount of time Nathan uh, where can we find more info online?
6: Uh, www.aggrowth.com.
0: Alright, thanks a lot. Nathan Carr here with AGI. Busy guy this time of year, but happy to have a few minutes. Another really busy guy this time of year is Kip Cullers. Uh, he was also kind enough to speak at the Ag PhD Field Day. Kip, thanks for coming up and, and thanks for talking to us today. Yeah, how's it going? Is it warmer up
7: there? i about about frozen out there last week. <laughs> we like it when you about freeze to
1: death up here though Kip for a for a field day. It's amazing to walk around. Yeah, I know that morning it was like in the 50s. So, uh anyway, today it's much better. It's like mid 80s, but tomorrow they're talking 98 degrees for us. So thankfully our field day wasn't tomorrow, otherwise it would have been brutal. Hey, uh I, before I forget, I just I I wanted to tell you how much we appreciate you, Kip. I I I didn't get a chance to talk to hardly anybody that um, I was, well, <laughs> I didn't get a chance to talk to everybody I was hoping to the day of the field day because we were just so swamped. But, I, I mean, we we love having you up. You're just a wealth of knowledge for people. The farmers I talked to really enjoyed listening to you. So, again, if you didn't catch this, we're talking to Kip Colors here, just a fantastic farmer from down in Missouri. We love having you come up for things like this, Kip, and we we're, were just happy you were able to make it for us this year.
7: Yeah, hey, I, it was a lot of fun for me, too. And, you know, i got to hand it to you guys. Most About everything everybody goes to anymore is just farm shows. There's no educational. And you guys, you're putting on an educational program where people can actually learn something versus going and kicking tires and stuff. I mean, you had speakers all over the place, and, and, and I applaud you guys for having so much educational programs there
1: well thanks kip yeah that's that's been our motto (laughs) since day one anything we've always tried to do i I mean we want to have fun and we want people to have some entertainment and everything else and that's all great but at the end of the day we got to go home with something that we can use for our farms so we're always trying to throw more ideas out and that's why we love having people like you there so hopefully you give us some more ideas of things we can try on our farms to improve things
7: yeah, I talked a lot about weeds and weed control and and uh, uh, I give them a good example. The only way you can kill. Palmer down here in Southwest Missouri with Roundup is if you set the jug on top of it, that's not over six inches tall. <laughs> I remember one
1: year we had you come up and you 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 brought us a plant and you said, "Yeah, this is water hemp." And you go, "Yeah, this isn't even the whole plant. I didn't have my chainsaw out, so I couldn't cut the whole thing to bring you the whole thing." But I, I mean, how bad is Palmer and water hemp
7: getting down by you? It's horrible. So right now we're running a enlist. And it, it takes a full rate of enlist and a full rate of uh, of um, liberty, liberty to get it. Yes, and uh, I wished the problem with the, the enlist is, I, and I harped uh, I talked about this a lot. I said the problem with the enlist is is it's labeled for one core acre, and the problem is it's just four pound two forty.
1: I agree, a hundred percent.
7: Well, and we've been running 2,4 D on our cow pastures for years. We run LV6
8: yep.
7: at a full quart to a quart and a half. Exactly. And they really need to increase that label up to two quarts to the acre, and it, it would sure help control our water hemp and, and uh, Palmer. Way, 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 way more. I have
1: brought that up to the head people in Corteva multiple times now, and I'm glad you brought it up because literally I'm in their conference room in Indianapolis talking about this very thing, and they said, yeah, we we probably need to look into that. I know we've run tests on higher, higher rates, and I go, I know you guys have because you've done some of the work on our own farm at higher rates. So please, please, please label a higher rate at some point. It would help us out tremendously. And I hate to say it, but I have – I have heard of people going off-label. We don't want farmers to have to go off-label. We want to be on-label. So, uh, anyway, what uh, we only have about 30 seconds left, Kip, but anything else that kind of stood out from the, the field day, any great question you had from a farmer or anything like that?
7: Yeah, you know, it was just great weather, and I thought the crops looked really, really good up there. Um you know, I was asked lots and lots of questions. We talked; I literally talked mainly about weeds. was thirty-minute sessions, and and I was just trying to prepare Everybody's Like, hey guys, you know, you need to mix this stuff up. Pre-emerge, you've got to be running two modes action when you're going across the top. And you know, I had lots of questions on that. And. Unfortunately for you guys, you don't have a you don't have the Palmer up there yet like we do, and I just keep telling everybody up there's like guys, it's coming, it's yep. coming, trust me, it's coming. Oh, Kip, don't don't end on a bad note for us. But
1: anyway, no, I'm in agreement with you 100. percent Again, that's Kip Colors. He farms down in Missouri. Kip, thanks a lot for the time today, and thanks for being here for the field day. We really appreciate you.
7: I appreciate you guys. Put on a good show.
1: Thanks, Kip. All right, stay tuned. We will be right back after this.
3: Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel
7: usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Downtime during spraying can lead to huge yield losses. Keep rolling with the Pentair Hypro Force Field. This pump features a unique, self-regulated chamber that allows the pump to run dry while eliminating cracked seals, so you can spray longer and more reliably. Learn more at pentair.com hypro.
0: Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at AgPHD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming AgPHD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com.
3: When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's ZealPro Miticide from Valent USA. With next-level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Agroliquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com.
2: There's a new kind of crop protection in your territory, and it's always on the hunt. Howler fungicide unleashes multiple modes of action for proven broad-spectrum protection against soil-borne and foliar diseases. Start protecting your territory at agbiome.com slash Howler.
7: With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com.
0: back you're listening to ag phd radio Uh, talking a little bit about our field day that was last week and and giving you a little bit of uh, update on what some of the speakers were talking about and and what questions there were Uh, if you get a chance to to be there man it was hard to take it all in there's just so much each year and i'm not sure if you were in a session i know i was in a session uh, with lee lubers he's a farmer from south dakota works with the extreme ag group and and i picked up a lot Uh, lee how are you doing today
5: I'm doing good.
0: All right. What did folks miss if they weren't at Field Day, Lee? I know uh, you had some great content in some of your sessions and and uh, a nice little bit of banter between you and some of the other extreme ag guys. It's kind of fun how competitive you guys are.
5: Oh, it, it was a great time. Uh, anybody who didn't make it, they missed the best learning opportunity of the year.
0: You know, you get a lot of questions throughout the year, and it's been kind of fun seeing you work with these guys from other states because uh, I know I've struggled with uh, just trying to explain how our growing conditions are just a little bit different than others. Uh, what are some of the things that you would say, uh, talking to other folks at, at Field Day, that were big questions that they had for you or, or just uh, key points you were trying to get across?
5: Uh, a lot more uh, questions on uh, diving further into biologicals and PGRs. Uh, I had a lot of great follow-up questions. I was surprised how many people came up to me later and said, hey, I listened to you speak three or four years ago and you talked about this. Could And I tried it. Could you explain it more to me? And then I even had some new people walk up to me and said, hey, I've never been here before, but I heard you talk about this and I'd like to learn more.
0: You know, I thought that's kind of an interesting way to start that. When you look at, hey, guys that, that heard something a few years ago and started giving it a try, you always wonder when you're speaking, I wonder if people were are listening or if they're taking any notes or whatnot, but that, that has to make you feel good.
5: Yeah, I was amazed. It kind of threw me a curveball a couple of times when people would bring up something that I talked about years prior and uh, wanted to dive further in depth on it.
0: You know, I, I know there are a lot of different management things. You talked about managing for stress, and that was one of the things I heard the other extreme ag guys say that they've picked up from you. Uh, obviously, Lee, you know what you're doing. You, you farm in a tough part of the country where you're going to have some extreme stress. Uh, what are some of the key things? I guess if uh, for anybody listening that maybe they've never heard you before, if you said here's a couple, two or three key things you can do, uh, basic first steps for stress re- reduction.
5: Well, you have to start out with really a good fertility program because I've seen too many times where uh, malnutrition in the plant creates stress. And then when you get the stress period, you can't hold in because the tank is half empty. And then also use of PGRs early uh, really help fortify that plant to handle upcoming stresses.
0: All right, the fertility piece, uh, I love that you started there because I agree with you 100%. Our good fertility ground generally hangs on longer when we go into a drought or, or have a real stressful year. But it's tough to spend the money when you think, oh, man, it's going to be a dry year. I'm, I'm not going to make it. Uh, how do you how do you sort those two things out?
5: Well, for us, we're kind of in the same philosophy. Uh, our fertility, it never costs us. It always pays.
0: Well, I, I agree with that. And then good ground sure, surely stands out, no doubt about that. Um, I, other things, Lee, that, that came up at, at field day, I was just thinking about uh, some of the conversation. I know uh, you guys are giving Matt Miles a hard time that he's got irrigation. And uh, somebody said, well, what about this? And and uh, you said, well, Matt, you can just turn on the water. <laughs> and I thought that was a great point. Uh, I guess, uh, what are, was there anything else that, that kind of surprised you at the field day or just walking around and taking a look at the whole place you've been to a lot of field days now did you notice anything different this year
5: uh it was nice to be in a crowd where people are up upbeat and wanting to learn and uh, the types of questions i got it was just it was all over the board the full spectrum and as you're even as you're answering questions it's getting your gears clink clicking to think about new things that we could even try on our own farm
0: yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, I know Brand and I are always picking up new ideas too from folks at the Ag PhD Field Day. We're speaking with Lee Lubbers here. He's one of the speakers at the Field Day, works with the Extreme Ag Group. Lee, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Thanks for being at the show again this year and look forward to working with you again.
5: Hey, anytime.
0: Brand Lee brought up a good point there too. He said the upbeat crowd. I, I would agree with that. It's it's a lot of, lot of folks that are, positive saying all right how can I get even better how can I solve this problem on my farm and and be even more successful with my crop
1: in business you can either look back or you can look forward and when we look back I mean yes I'm not saying you don't want to look back at all we can learn from from things there but when you dwell in the past then certainly it's probably going to bring you down so I, I've I've been telling the story just a little bit here on the radio over the last month or so, but uh, our our dad passed away three years ago in the spring, and I, I didn't realize there, there were some papers and things I needed to get out of their house yet. Uh, then I had to go through all that stuff, and so I just did that, call it a month ago. I mean, times were tough for a while, really tough. And when you start to focus on those bad times, it's hard to move on. And like both my grandpas went through the Great Depression. My dad went through those really tough times of the 80s. And in a way, it's hard to ever get fully past that. I mean, you're always going to have that memory, that that uh, that kind of pulling you back a little bit and, and making you, forcing you to be a little bit more conservative. But by the same token, you got to look forward. You got to look at the opportunities that are there today and really try to take advantage of those. And when we look at what we have for commodity prices and the opportunity we have, even with, sure, we have some increased costs. But we were talking about this a little bit at the field day too. Okay, so corn prices are going to go up. Well, that doesn't mean your costs have to go up. I mean, if you want to go to cheaper hybrids, you can. They're out there. But instead of doing that, I'd probably go for the very best, highest price, brand new stuff, and then I'd place it where it can make me the most money. And what I'm saying is, in some cases, you might want to be planting at 36000 but you might have areas on your farm that only need 22000 And I mean, it's it's using technology and being smart about those changes so you can place your dollars correctly so every acre can make you money. I think it's been interesting for the guys that have started looking at their profit on a per acre basis. I'm not saying you're average on the whole farm. I'm saying literally, I got an acre in this 40-acre field. Did I make money on that acre? Did I make money on the next acre? Did I make money on the next acre? And looking at it that way the more that we do that and we place our dollars, we we invest our dollars wisely. I mean, yeah, I know costs are up a little bit now, but I'm I'm optimistic. And I think in the next couple of years, our costs are going to come way way back down again. I mean, fertilizer is really the main one. We can talk all we want about the chemical thing, but I mean, Roundup's already come down in price from last year. It's down 20, 30% already. But if you look at what we have for fertilizer prices, that's the big thing. I mean, that's many, many, many dollars per acre, $100, $200 per acre it was up. Well, it's going to come back down again. I'm not worried about that at some point. And I'm also not saying, oh, we don't want to spend any money on fertilizer just because it's high, but we have to be smart about how we spend it. We have to think differently. I, I mean, two years ago, we bought up all kinds of fertilizer because it was cheap and we loaded up some of our fields. That was the time where we built well, I'm not going to spend an all-time record high price to build my base saturation K from 4% to 7% like I did in 2020. No way am I going to invest that money now. At some point, I probably will again, but not now. So that's all I'm getting at here. And that that's really what we try to talk about on our show all the time is just staying positive, focusing on return on investment, looking at things uh, at, on each dollar level. And we can't go out and change the market. I mean, uh, you look at our costs have gone up. Interest rates are up and fuel, fertilizer, and some of these things. But let's figure out how we can make money with what we have and what we're doing. That's what we're focused on talking about all the time. And yeah, that's why I, I also, Darren, I, I mean, I was super excited walking around talking to farmers at the field day. They were having fun. I mean, a lot of farmers, let's face it, have been able to make some decent money here in the last couple of years because commodity prices have been better. And hopefully that trend continues here for the next couple of years. We'll see how it goes. But either way, we also have to be super happy that we get to do what we do and live where we live. Because you look around the world, there are a lot of bad things happening, a lot of countries you don't want to live in. You do want to live here. Whether we're talking United States, Canada, I mean, things are a lot better here than almost anywhere else. So I'm really happy and thankful that we get to be here. All right, we're going to get back to your questions in the IPHD mailbag right after this.
9: Corn rootworms are called the billion-dollar bug for a reason. If you don't control the adult populations now, their offspring will cost you later. Labeled for field corn and seed corn, Steward EC Insecticide from FMC offers a unique mode of action that delivers fast and long-lasting residual control of corn rootworm beetles and other tough insects. That proven chemistry makes it an excellent fit in integrated pest management and insect resistance management programs. And with less effect on beneficials than many traditional chemistries, Stewart EC Insecticide reduces your risk of creating other pest issues like flaring spider mites. Choose Stewart EC Insecticide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions and precautions for use.
0: AgPHD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the AgPHD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the AgPhD Insider at agphdinsider.com.
1: Stop wasting time and money with obsolete adjuvants and foliar fertilizers. High-yielding crops require high-performing multifunctional products like the FullTech Adjuvant Cube and Impulse from SprayTech. Contact your local retailer or visit spraytech.com for more information.
3: Conditioning low moisture beans to 13% can add semi-loads to your bottom line. Make 13% beans possible with 13% off all end-zone bend systems from Farm Shop MFG. Sale in soon, so go to farmshopmfg.com to order today.
0: Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal app. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play.
9: It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that.
0: You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're firmly into the Ag PhD mailbag right now. We've got a number of questions that have come in we want to get to. But we do have time for your phone calls as well. If you've got a question, just give us a call. It's 844-44-AG-PHD. If you would like to send an email instead or in addition to your phone call, it's radio at agphd.com. All right. Got this one from Chris. And he said, We were a good month to month and a half late in our spring wheat seeding this year. I'm concerned about how late the harvest will be and how slow the crop is going to ripen and dry down. My question is on pre-harvest burndowns. We have not had very good luck with Roundup in years past as it's slow to work and sometimes seems like the moisture doesn't come down. Will Sharpen be a better alternative and if so, what rate would you use? How much does that cost compared to Roundup and would you expect any rotational issues? Uh, and then the last question, will I have any issues with the wheat breaking down, weakening straw, shelling out, et cetera, before I get to harvest?
1: I'll let you start answering some of those, like uh, the uh, carryover and all
0: that. Well, first of all, and with speed let's, and- let's Sharpen, it does have some residual. So. You've got to, to look at whatever the rotational restrictions are with that in terms of what you're going to go to, but uh, you can use Sharpen pre-emerge in winter wheat. So if you're going to go to winter wheat, no problem, uh, that'd be just fine. Uh, but if you aren't going to plant a crop till next spring, you got no concern with rotation following Sharpen. Uh, it's just not going to last that long. Uh, you know what is the price per acre compared to Roundup? You know a lot of times Sharpen, we're talking a couple of ounces. For roughly ten bucks. Yeah, so it all depends on what you're paying. So I mean Roundup
1: has come down a lot right now. So uh what are you gonna spend per acre? Seven dollars, you know, something like that. Yeah. Maybe
0: ten, depending on what rate you're running, yep. depending on what you yep. got. Good point. Good point that's that's the whole thing. Well, if wait, you, got... you
1: can't run a high rate though, keep in mind on desiccation uh, oh. for roundup. So but anyway, yeah, with, with sharpen I'd just say this. You got a three day pre harvest interval. Does it work uh, pretty fast? Yes. But they will tell you even right on the label, you got to allow up to 10 days for optimum desiccation effect. I mean, I'm, I'm not a fan of desiccation at all if I can help it. And the reason why is because I worry about hitting some of the, the crop too early and then you don't allow it to, that you don't allow that grain to finish out. So here again, I'll just tell you exactly what they say on the label, that you've got to at least have reached physiological maturity and less than 30% moisture. So just be really careful with it if you want to use it. I I, I, I wouldn't. I would try to avoid that. What Even like on our own farm, and I'll just give you the example of oats in our field day site. So. <laughs> Our research lead, Glenn, he talked to Darren and me, I don't even know, 10 times about, oh, it's not going to be done in time, and I'm worried, and let's desiccate it. I'm like, if you want to desiccate, then why don't you just go lay it down, throw it into some windrows, and then you um, and then you pick it up later. Or I, I mean, I shouldn't say that, but uh, yeah, I mean, you could do windrows, you could do whatever, but lay it down somehow, cut it, and then come and pick it up, and I, I, it, it's like, I, I'd rather do that. Then go the other way because I said that way we're down way to the end. Now we know the plant's dead. We didn't spend any extra money other than yeah, you're not straight cutting it. But our issue too was there are a few weeds out there we was worried about. I'm like, who cares? It's just a few acres we got. But anyway, so I I'm not a fan. But if you want to do it, you certainly can. Have we used that before in our wheat? Yes, we've used Valor, we've used Sharpen, we've used multiple products because we like trying things out. I'm just not a fan, but you can do it. And there are people that do.
0: All right. Thanks for the questions. We really appreciate that, Chris. Uh, let's head back to the phone lines. we got Daryl on with us right now in Illinois with easy soil questions, the way it sounds. Daryl, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> good. I wish we could fix everything in the soil easy and cheap. But what are, what are your challenges in your soils?
8: Uh, the, this, what we're struggling with is our calcium levels are very high. Like on a Midwest test, they're like in the
0: high 80s on a base
8: saturation. And then magnesium and sulfur is low. Obviously, magnesium sulfur, that's easier to deal with. But uh, our, our ground, it wants to break up into chunks. It's real hard. And uh, we have trouble building ca- uh, potassium levels uh, just with everything being tied up with all that calcium in there. I just wonder if there's any way of speeding up that process of getting that calcium level lower I, I don't have the test in front of me i apologize i'm traveling at the moment but uh yeah
1: because th- that was going to be my next question what is your magnesium level do you know
8: it's 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 low i i i, like I said yeah the, yeah the, the, you said okay calcium is in the is upper 80s calcium a thing yes yes it's that's the thing that really jumps off the page is on the base saturation it's in the upper 80s the, the ph of the soil is fine it's all six five to seven two at the highest but it's just the calcium level is real high yeah
1: um uh, it Typically, just the calcium level being a little high isn't a major concern for me. It's not difficult to throw some magnesium out there if you had to, but quite frankly, with magnesium, you only need it to be around 10 or 12%. So if let's just say, for example, when you say 80s on base saturation, it could be 85. That still leaves 10 for magnesium. Your hydrogen's almost zero because you're right around that 7 pH. So, I mean, you're, you're not... You're not bad. I'm I'm not that concerned about all this. However, I will say this. You use the words, I believe, uh, it's hard to build potassium in our soil. I'm assuming you're saying that because your cation exchange capacity level is high, correct? Do you have a 25 cation exchange capacity or so?
8: No, 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 no. It's exactly, it's like 10 to 12. 10 to 12, CEC? 10 to 12, yeah, yeah.
1: Ooh! If it's that light, it shouldn't be that hard to to build potassium. We've never struggled with that. How much potassium are you putting on when we talk about building?
8: Uh, in I don't know in in the potash form. I mean a couple hundred pounds probably. Oh okay. Uh, it's just, okay. It's just it's a uh, i I mean we 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 we've, we've tried on several different fields where we've put and we've put quite a bit higher levels for several years in a row and the levels
0: just never come up uh, on the soil
8: test anyway
0: so so are we leaching it out what's happening uh, well i mean we're we just raising really good crops and and it's how, how high how high is your yield
8: uh beans are in the 70 to
0: eighty. Oh wow! There we go. See <laughs> well, now, we're talking, now we're talking. Now we're talking, Daryl. You're kicking butt. So that's why the great potassium isn't is not building. Awesome.
1: Okay. So what's your corn
8: corn yield? Like in the two twenties, I would say. Like I, we fertilized it uh, for for probably two twenty five and then seventy five on beans.
4: Yeah.
1: I, I mean, uh, Daryl. I, I, not to give you a hard time or anything, but as you as we're talking about your yields, there are a lot of people listening right now going, "Man, I wish I had his yields. <laughs> I wish and, I could yield. How like is he Darryl raising does. such such good yield on soybeans?" If you didn't have the potassium there, you would not get that kind of yield on soybeans. So that tells me one thing. You've been putting a fair amount of K on, and while you may believe that it's a build program, you're sucking a lot out because soybeans take a tremendous amount of K. And so it sounds to me like you've got most stuff on the right track. So let's do this, if, if you wouldn't mind at some point just send us an email with your, your soil test results so I can look at them a little bit more and I can give you some more ideas on, on what we think. Uh, but it, I it doesn't sound like you got stuff that's like way out of line or anything else and I don't know in terms of solving your uh, hard soil thing uh, other than I assume being from Illinois you do have tile in the ground right? Uh no
8: no we're we're kind of south central Illinois it's clay based okay uh, no we we are not okay yeah, that's why I said to see see ten to twelve right we're about so,
6: south of
1: the
8: flat area
1: so. sure gotcha now uh, what where I'm going with this is in your low grounds so ten to twelve if you got rolling hills like we do yeah you don't need tile but in low grounds that's what I worry about and so for your when you talk about hard soil is it hard all the way across are there areas in fields what are we dealing with there
8: oh it, it's just it just does not work well I mean it's pretty much uniformly just it it, it doesn't want to break up it breaks up into chunks is I guess the best way to describe it uh, okay but i I know that i heard in some of your other programs where you're talking about calcium being high magnesium low
1: that it could adjusting be adjusting so, those
8: ratios that would help it work better yes a little bit.
1: yep it's certainly possible hey daryl we got to run right now but send us an email with your information i'll look it over a little bit more and then we can get back to you on on something a little bit better and
2: more concrete
3: It's planting
2: season, race against the clock season, mistakes can't happen season, and no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster, that makes your spacing and depth more accurate, and that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gainground.
3: When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's ZealPro Miticide from Valent USA. With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, and we're taking your calls and questions the rest of the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Get this question in from uh, Beyonder, who says, guys, what are some of the... What are some of the cons? I thought he was going to say pros and cons. What are some of the cons of liquid versus granular insecticide? Here's why I'm asking this. We recently bought a new planter, and it's got smart boxes, but we're considering a new liquid system. Just wondering what I'd be giving up and what I'd be gaining.
1: You said insecticide. Yes. Corn, planter box, insecticide, compared to liquid
0: then? Correct. Okay, gotcha. Ooh, but that's a good point, is with soybeans, (laughs) you might want to have that smart box uh, ability to put on some thymet if you've got some gall midge larvae, depending on where you're at. Yep, but the flip side is you could put Capture LFR
1: on if it's liquid with soybeans. We did that on our soybeans this year. So- lots of ways you could go there we in terms of corn rootworm control like dry insecticide a little bit better I'm not going to say it's dramatically better is it five to ten percent better in a lot of cases yes I like dry force I like dry Aztec uh, there are other options out there too, so I I just say that's a really good way to go if rootworm is your number one problem. And to Darren's point, with that thymat deal for gall midge, that's that's a real thing. That they're actually getting some pretty good control that way, and there really isn't anything else we've seen much control with. So um, other than that. The only other con I would say is if you're mixing a whole bunch of other stuff together and for whatever reason your insecticide doesn't go well. Or maybe it's just fungicide. So let's say you got a liquid system right now and all you're putting out there is fungicide. Well, you can't mix the insecticide with the fungicide. They don't tank mix well in that type of system. So you'd have to have a separate system if you wanted to add the liquid insecticide plus do the fungicide.
0: That's about all I can really think of. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, there's lots of different ways that, that you can go for sure. And the other thing you can do is just add a liquid system on and leave the leave the smart box on there too and do them both. I, I kinda like that approach personally, having lots of options. All right, said back to the phone lines. We're talking about the Ag PhD Field Day a little bit, and uh, we had David Hula there, the world record corn grower. And certainly, the problem for David, I think, is generally we need bigger tents. We get a lot of folks that want to <laughs> listen to you, David. Thanks for thanks for joining us. We really appreciated that. And thanks for being on today. Sure, no
4: man, it it was fun. It was great to um, catch up with folks. You know, that's the neat thing about being part of that. You you, you create some relationships, but. I am curious. Who in the world set the schedule? I can only imagine, because given me just thirty minutes to talk, it takes me that long to introduce myself.
5: So. <laughs> well, that was you, me. You
0: and Brian it. both, David. That's <laughs> right. I always say, man, if we only have a half <laughs> yeah. hour, I'm not even going to go because Brian's not going to be able to introduce himself. We
1: love the thirty minute <laughs> sessions for a field day. People just don't want to sit around a whole long time. But uh, but anyway, I'm with you, David. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a lot
4: to talk about all the time. Yeah, well, um, I know y'all had control over the weather, so I appreciate that. We did but, a lot of praying you know, did... on that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, but you know we had great conversation. You know, each each time I spoke, I think I spoke three times, and the theme was a little different. Whoever asked one particular question, that was the uh, the path in which we took. But uh, you know, a little bit about water quality because of our Chesapeake Bay proximity. A lot about corn. And then one of the whole segments, I spent more time talking about soybeans. Who would have known? So that that was interesting. But, nah, it was a great day. I think everybody got a lot out of it. And, yeah, the tent stayed full. And, you know, good questions after. You know, I stuck around after each segment. So everybody had a chance to at least ask a question if they wanted to. So thanks for y'all putting it on. That's just a great event. And it was good to see some green paint there
0: again. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I thought, oh, man, I know he's going to give us a hard time about that. <laughs> well, there's some cool new technology there, too. So we got to look at that, Dave. Oh, yeah.
4: So, I mean, yeah, all of it, you know, from Fent to deer, And, and then I didn't make it to the red equipment, but saw all the cloth stuff. And then all the vendors, you know, that's the other neat thing, you know. We, we read about things, but when you get a chance to either look at stuff in the field or just talk with somebody that's, that's actually had some experience with it. And I know you had other folks there, other farmers there. And, yeah, that was just just a great day and to continue to have relationships and learning. So thank you all for what you all have done.
0: Oh, you bet. And thank you so much for being there. You know, one question I got for you, though, Dave, is what kind of growing season are you getting? I hear that it's supposed to get kind of hot out there this week.
4: Yeah, we, we've um – let's see, June was dry. And then the end of June, the 1st of July, was unbearable heat. And I don't mind heat during the day. It's the heat at night. And, you know, we weren't getting below 77 degrees. We'd wake up, it'd be in the 80s. And that just, you know, corn, as you well know, it needs to cool down at nighttime. And it was not cooling down. So wherever we might have had two ears or suckers that might have done something, they've given up. But we're getting some timely rains now. And you know we're going to have an average a little better than average crop, but there will the only number that might be a five in their corn yields will be the second or third digit. It will not be the first
0: digit. <laughs> well, that can still that can still be profitable this year, especially where corn prices are at. So can't complain too much.
4: <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely right. So uh, we're we're anxious. My son did some like I shared in the tent. He did some early planting soybeans in March, and you know I've heard y'all too talk about planting beans early. And we finally gave it a try, so March 28th, 29th, and April 2nd, and boy, they have loaded up with pods, and we, he's done a good job. Awesome. So we're anxious to get into that part. So, you know, always something new. Got to, you know, a grower's got to change his, and have a positive attitude, like the old late Francis Charles said.
0: Yeah, I know you're always doing trials on your farm, trying to to look at different ways to to get better crops, no matter if it's corn or or anything else. So appreciate hearing from you. Uh, And I know certainly at the field day, too, uh, got so many guys that say, man, I want to hear what Dave's up to this time. So thanks again, Dave. Really appreciate it. And thanks for being out today.
4: All right. And y'all be safe and God bless. Thank you.
0: You bet. Thanks, Dave. Brian, you got a question here. uh, Well... It's a pile of them. Uh, Soil test. You got time for that or you want to take... I mean, do I easier? have time for that? I got three and a half minutes here. <laughs> All right, man, so. Go for it then. Okay. Uh, so, this is from Jason. He says, I got a couple questions for you, oh my, but we've oh, got about no, 20 soil pages. Tests. Yeah. Uh, Western Nebraska. 20,
1: 20. It's like 20 pages. All anyway, right. go ahead.
0: Three year rotation, <laughs> conventional till fallow, winter wheat, and no till corn into wheat stubble. Uh, two and a half acre soil grids. And you get a lot of pHs that are low. Liming's not common out here, he said. But I do have access to sugar beet lime. Not sure how that compares. Yes, so that's great. First question, talk sugar to me
1: about beet, sugar beet lime. Uh, it has a lot of phosphorus in it, but test yours. So in other words, go to the sugar beet plant, take a sample, and send it in for analysis, and then you'll find out what it has. But usually you get a whole bunch of free phosphorus out of that deal, plus the liming effect, and that's that's one of the biggest things that I see. you got a lot of potassium in your soil. That's great. You could use a little more phosphorus, so that would be good. I'll tell you this, though. When you start putting the sugar beet lime on, you might see one problem in particular. Your zinc levels, are they're yeah. really low.
0: Yeah, he said, I, I can tell from <laughs> listening to your clinics and your radio show that it's zinc and copper and the other micros yep. i got to work on. He said, I have been working on sulfur. I've been putting some zinc in uh, as well, but I just haven't seen the soil test respond to that.
1: Usually the soil test responds immediately. In our experience, well, we put- he we,
0: said he put the zinc in with- side dress and with nitrogen oh, and those types of things yeah you're going to need some no, uh, dry some zinc, zinc sulfate. sulfate
1: yep just put some zinc sulfate out there put pounds of zinc sulfate out there and get it raised to what you need to it's it it's it's a one shot deal one time zinc sulfate in your whole farming career you just raise it up and then you maintain it from there same thing with copper sulfate one shot it's not that
0: expensive. So this is kind of a cool thing, too. So say that you have a really good year this year. That's where you invest. And I know a lot of guys will say, well, I want to get my balance sheet right. That's where you can get your soil test right, too. If you say, okay, hey, fertilizer prices are reasonable and I made good money, uh, I'll do this. Or you just wait and say, okay, I'm going to watch these fertilizer prices when they dip down sometime in the next few years. That's yeah, what I'm going to take.
1: Yeah, th- I mean, the zinc levels are so low right now, it's hurting his yield today. I'll promise you. They're, it's hurting your yield today. you got to get that zinc out. and and copper is really low, too. So we can see it right to, I mean when we do all these things comparing yield to soil test levels, we and, and ratios even, we can see it real fast. And our good yields are coming from where we have good fertility levels.
0: Go all right. Ahead. So his last question here, what would you address first? And what would be the recommendation if money was not a factor and fertilizer prices were more reasonable?
1: I don't care if they're reasonable or not. They're reasonable enough. So I'm getting that sugar beet lime, which is going to give me a bunch of free phosphorus. That solves that problem. Then I'm going to move on and I'm going to do zinc sulfate. I'm going to do copper sulfate. I'm going to get some boron out there and then continue working on the sulfur but you're going to get some free sulfur in that uh that sugar beet lime too. test it it might be enough sulfur you don't have to add any more
0: all right thanks for the questions thanks for uh for following us with our clinics and our radio show too jason we really appreciate that had fun at the ag phd field day last week just want to say once again thank you to everyone who was able to come we really appreciated all the support and we had a great day thanks for listening to today's program Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.